0: Dirt Radio. Organic. Friends of the Earth. Activism. Underground. Political action. Necessary. Wind farms. Indigenous struggles. Land rights. Anti-nuclear. Nanotechnology. Climate change. Coal barons. Mining magnets. Activists. Educating. Communities. Transforming. Communities. Communities. Mobilizing a sustainable planet. Get involved now. Friends of the Earth. Friends of the Earth. Friends of the Earth. Dirt Radio.
1: And hello and good morning. You're on Dirt Radio with Colin. We are broadcasting live from 3CR Studio in Collingwood. Dirt Radio is a show sponsored by Friends of the Earth in Melbourne. So check us out at www.foo.org.au. Thank you very much for Yarrabug. I can't wait to see the lovely day when cars will be kicked out of the city and we're all going to be ride bikes. So today we will talk about waste dump, but not a normal one about nuclear waste dump. So, the federal government has a short list of six sites for the facility, which would house medium and low-level waste. The sites have been nominated by the landholders, and the government is consulting his neighbours and community members. But there is little sign of agreement. So, we will chat about that tricky process with Jamila here in the studio and Annika over the phone. How are you both going?
2: Yeah,
3: very good. Great. Thanks, Thanks, Colin. Thanks for having us.
1: Hi, Annika. How are you doing? You're a bit far, isn't it? <laughs> uh, not too
2: far, but um, an hour and a half out of Melbourne.
1: Perfect. So you both part of the campaign. It's called ACE. That's the anti-nuclear branch of the FOMILI. So we remember the big win over the 7 years' fight campaign to stop the dump at Muckertie in Northern Territory. But recently, the nuclear dump made a comeback, like a zombie. Um, I'm wondering, how much nuclear waste Australia, or in Australia, and how much do we produce?
2: Um, We actually don't have any concrete numbers on how much nuclear waste Australia currently has. There has never been an independent inquiry in the quantities and the qualities um, of our nuclear waste. Um, But basically... Australia doesn't produce any highly radioactive waste or it does in smaller quantities and sends it overseas for reprocessing. And we've just received some of that back as long-lived intermediate-level waste. Um, So we do have intermediate-level waste and we have low-level waste and most of the low-level waste is um, waste resulting from um, nuclear medicine. Um, So, yeah, that's the waste we're talking about and that waste is currently... Stored at most of the facilities that it is produced in. Um, so we, most of it is which
1: Lucas type Heights. of facilities at the moment? Like so near Lucas Heights reactors, I reckon.
2: Yeah, most of it is in Lucas Heights, um, and uh, some of it, and the other big chunk of it
1: is in Woomera, in South Australia. In Woomera, in South Australia, Woomera is near Maralinga and Emu, where the bomb test happened in the fifties, isn't it? Exactly. Is, do we also have a nuclear waste dump, uh, all the residual experience from this bomb test in the 50s, or are we trying to forget about that?
2: Um, this is not the nuclear uh, the radioactive waste that we're currently talking about um, in this process. Um, there has been a hasty cleanup of the Maralinga site, um, but that waste is not going to be touched um, at what we're talking about now, right now. The facility that the government wants to build um, is going to store mainly um, the waste that is produced through
1: nuclear medicine. So if I understand well, it's like the low and medium or intermediate level waste. Uh, But I reckon it's still dangerous for us, like for the land, for the water system. Uh, How can the government let landlords nominate their own site without any check? And is the government that desperate to dig a hole?
2: Um, Yeah, I mean, you have a good point there. The the waste is definitely dangerous um, and remains radioactive for a long time, um, for thousands of years, in fact, Um, but uh, yeah, the government has tried before to force a nuclear waste dump on communities and they've seen that that approach hasn't been very successful. So this time around, they want to engage in a voluntary um, process, as they call it, which in itself is a great step forward. However, internationally, um, if there are voluntary processes conducted, they normally call upon whole communities to nominate a site and not just a, an individual landowner. So what we're seeing now is that there are landowners all across Australia who have nominated some of their land, um, but there's a lot of opposition to it from the communities that are locally based, you know, close to the waste dump. Um, so, yeah, the government is currently trying to see
1: how it can deal with that sort of opposition. Yeah, I re- that's definitely a point we'll talk about a little bit later, how the division in the community, this type of uh, nomination created. Uh, one of my questions, like you talked about uh, international waste dump, what's really, is it? does it mean if this nuclear waste dump go ahead in Australia, we're going to receive all the um, low, medium, and maybe high-level uh, nuclear crap all the world's producing. Is it—is it true? Is it a risk?
2: Um, so the process that we're currently talking about has very clearly said in, um, in its terms of reference that it is not going to be turned into a dump for international radioactive waste. So we're really speaking about Australia's radioactive waste yeah. Um, However, there is currently a Royal Commission ongoing in South Australia into the nuclear fuel cycle. And the tentative findings, which have um, just been released two weeks ago, um, only basically recommended that it would be viable to engage um, into storing high-level radioactive waste internationally. So, so far, there is not a single dump site anywhere in the world that stores... um, highly radioactive waste Um, and Australia might now look into doing it um, and not just for itself but you know for the world's waste Um, and so we're a bit afraid that the current national process is just going to be mingled up with this international process and it's really confusing people on the ground they don't know anymore what waste we're talking about what point what so, would a facility look like? Um, it's, it's quite clever strategically that the government engages in these two processes at once because it does cause a lot of confusion.
1: So I reckon they might have like a lot of resistance against the, the national nuclear waste. Uh, how the community organized? I think, like Jamila, you, you know them pretty well. Could you tell us a little bit more about this community organization?
3: Sure, um, well I can talk a little bit on the one community in South Australia that um, part of the Ace Collective visited um, just last week. Um, we visited um, an Indigenous community out at Yapala Station, so in Andyamatna country, um, who are opposing the nomination of a site next door um, to their property. Um, there's a lot of community resistance from this community as um, within the nominated site um, is an Indigenous protected area um, and a whole sort of collection of really significant sites to these people. Um, So they're um, kind of leading a resistance and a woman named Regina McKenzie is one of the women really talking strong um, and contesting um, this this potential dump site. Um, Further afield there's um, a community resistance in pretty much in all actually of the the nominated sites, the six sites. Um, And also which is really great is An amount of solidarity between all of the sites, so they are all coming together and saying, "We don't want it, and we don't want it to go to these communities either," because um, people are so in opposition to this volunteerism process, which is excluding the the sort of the wider community.
1: Yeah, so it's they're all working. uh together, I reckon, because if they're fighting to make sure like the, nucle- the nuclear waste is not going to happen to their own side, but that means the government might put more pressure to another side. So they're trying to all stand up all together to say, like, no, we don't want that?
3: Absolutely. So in the next month or so, um, I think that the government is planning to reduce the shortlist of six to a further shortlist of two or three. Um, And in the lead up to this last week, the delegates from each of the communities visited Canberra um, to meet with uh, politicians and um, kind of make their case known that they're they're not keen for this dump at all and they're willing to support other sites. So it's really incredible to see people from really um, vast different kind of backgrounds and interests come together and be like, actually, this is really wrong. And we we feel like we we can't let this go ahead anywhere based on the way that it's being carried out by the government.
1: Where all these sites are to give us a little idea.
3: Sure. So the site that we visited is sort of central South Australia, very close to the Flinders Ranges region. Um, there's two other sites nominated um, in Kimba, which is on the Air Peninsula, also in South Australia. Uh, there's Hill End, which is uh, sort of New South Wales.
0: Mm-hmm. Then
3: there's Omanana, which is in uh, Queensland, just sort of, um, close to Warwick, Um good country there and then uh, one that's not very far out of Alice Springs so quite yeah spread out across the country.
1: And like a lot of of the sites are all surrounded by really like farmland a lot of farmland I reckon or like beautiful prestigious like mountains near the Flinders and I reckon a lot of like cultural and sacred sites maybe from Aboriginal. Uh, How the traditional owners and the neighbourhoods Almost be very angry at the at the guy who decided to nominate this property. How how they can manage to to work to ah uh, how to say that to to deal with this community like being divided like that?
3: That's a really difficult question, and I think that's uh, something that will come. Uh, We'll have to see what happens, I guess, in the future with that because I think that a lot of people, particularly in um, Hawker, which is close to this um, nominated site that we visited in South Australia, are concerned about their economy and are concerned about um, the future of their towns and communities. And I think that, unfortunately, there's still a lot of, as as Annika mentioned, misinformation about the type of waste and confusion about these issues. And also there's a lot of... um, uh, myths about, you know, that we need to, we need reactors and we need this waste, otherwise people won't have nuclear medicine. Like all of these facts yeah. sort of influence the community and how they feel about these things. And with, with this kind of divided information, um, it really does cause division. So I think that it's important f- for people like us to kind of keep spreading the message and um, providing that more balanced information to communities.
1: So these six communities, they went to Canberra to talk to the government. What was the response?
3: Um, They were met by certain people. I I feel like they had a good response and there was a lot of great media that came out of it. Um, I'm aware that they all particularly wanted to meet with Minister Josh Frydenberg, who's the Minister for Resources and Energy, who's heading up this kind of national dump process. Um, But he refused to meet with them um on the grounds that he, he felt that he couldn't meet with them if unless he could meet with the people that were for but were in you know in agreement with the dump process which kind of just really is a real great reminder that we're dealing with um the government's successive governments that are kind of really um not interested in listening to the views of community like so many similar things happened with the previous campaign in Makati, where um, traditional owners and community members would come to try and meet with ministers and would be um, denied access to offices and or not met. So yeah. this kind of really crucial lack of consul- consultation and. Real kind of communication and engagement with communities is really lacking still.
1: And that's a shame because they often like bring the politic saying, like, yes, our, our view is like to help to listen to people. We're never gonna go ahead with this project if people are not agree with. And Mokati was roughly the same thing, but in the other side, they don't they refuse to talk to the community.
3: Absolutely. So I, I think. Yeah, it really, I mean, that action to me really speaks volumes of where the government's really coming from and the mask that they're trying to to wear of being more engaged and more interested in what communities have to say. But just for something like that, when six people from six communities from all over the country come specifically to meet with politicians and they're denied them the right to have their voice heard I think it's really yeah you really know what you're dealing with in those kind of situations.
1: I really would like to to play some recorded samples you took while you were on country. Uh, would you like to introduce it so the the sample that's got is uh, Regina Mackenzie, and uh, she she wants to say what what do you what she wants next.
3: Sure so Regina um, I think as I mentioned before is Um, one of the leaders of this community, speaking up against the dump. And she's really phenomenal and her community is incredible in that they have been spending years documenting um, the significant sites and the cultural history and heritage of that area. So they've um, spent time uh, mapping and recording songlines through that area and um, really kind of working with state departments to... um, plot and register lots of sites and archaeological sites and stone tools and a whole bunch of really incredible history has been collected by this woman and her community and her kind of vision for this community is to um, build an economy and bring more people into this community through um, sustainable tourism and sharing sharing culture and more kind of long-standing um, like partnerships that kind of respect the land and respect the culture rather than you know a quick fix nuke dump you know so yeah, yeah so i think she, what she's going to talk about here is what her views are for the future of country
1: thank you well, let's listen to her
3: what do you want to see
0: for your country instead
4: what i want to see with my country is and this is part of the storylines we want we want non aboriginal people to understand how we look at the, the landscape how we how we view it, and the storylines are the best way to do it because I believe really, the Mura is our past, our present, and our future. We had our past with our old people and we 've come into the present of now which we have non Aboriginal people which is part now part of our Mura. and i'd like I'd like the Australian people to look at our belief system and respect that and some some of them I 'd love to see them embrace the storylines and embrace it for as their own and and there's so much that you could do with culture, storyline tours. You can, do, you can create so much work out of culture. And the best way to do it is they talk about bridging the gap. Working with Aboriginal people in our culture and in our storylines is the best way to bridge the gap.
1: Wow. that. That's really strong and she really like reminds all of us, you know, that Aboriginal culture is a really strong culture and we need to, to work all together.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that the strength of someone to talk about that and to have um, such a clear vision of what they w- would like to see for their community is really incredible um, and requires, you know, so much action on our part to kind of help and support that coming to fruition um when you see that country and you visit such a beautiful place like it really was inspiring for me and the other people there to kind of be like yeah this is this is so beautiful and uh, we live in a beautiful country and it's really important to stand with traditional owners and um i kind of learn from them and, and you know build our understanding of what we the land that we stand on
1: thank you uh, annika are you still here yeah, I'm here. Oh, perfect. Thank you very much. We've been like chatting a little bit with, uh, with Jamila. Uh, I'm going to play like a quick community announcement and we'll be back more for more info about nuclear waste dump. So please stay tuned.
0: Ladies right and gentlemen, this panel is now on air. In July 1976, from an old warehouse in High Street Armadale, 3CR Community Radio hit the airwaves heralding 40 years of independent, community-owned and controlled radio. This will be the first station owned and operated by a cooperative of community organisations on a Melbourne-wide basis. This is 3CR. As the status quo of old media is challenged, as publications come and go, in a country with the highest concentration of media ownership in the world, 3CR continues to broadcast radical, insightful radio 24 hours a day, seven days a week.
4: We're not talking about land rights. We're talking about sovereignty. That's why it's important for us to be at the Ten Embassy.
0: From the protests against the Franklin River Dam to the 1998 waterfront dispute, from the East-West Tunnel picket to the Aboriginal Ten Embassy, the history of 3 cr is dynamic and passionate and ongoing. I was born here. I will die here. I am not moving. <laughs> So as we celebrate 40 years in 2016, we ask you, our volunteers, listeners and supporters to join in in saying happy birthday,
2: 3
1: And that's true. Happy birthday, 3 Bon anniversaire. So you're back on Dirt Radio, show sponsored by Friends of the Earth. You're with Colin, Jamila and Annika. The Ace Collective is currently working hard on the community to stop the pressure against a potential international and national nuclear waste dump in Australia. Annika, uh, i got a question for you. I would like to know how a nuclear dump will impact a local area.
2: Um, that's really hard to say. I mean, it depends what um, perspective you look at it from. Um, there's definitely environmental impact, and um, we've often heard the government say that... Um, there aren't going to be any impact that they have high-class engineering that will um, come into play and they'll have a really secure facility built. However, um, the only few repositories um, in the world that are operating have had Serious problems um, with water leakages. Very recently, at with um, in New Mexico, in the United States, there was an explosion of a yeah. nuclear fuel drum and things like that. So, obviously, we are concerned about environmental impacts um, you know, affecting waterways and things like that. Um, then there's social impact, as Jamila has already mentioned. There's um, already in the communities that are targeted at the moment, there are I, Divisions between them arising, um, but they are they are hoping mostly for a positive economic
1: Are you jumping a little bit? Are you still here, Anika? Oh. Okay, no, you just jumped from the from the line. Uh, maybe you'll get back a little bit, like later. Um, so, like nuclear, as Annika said, is a very dangerous industrial product. It's even like for low or medium level waste, we cannot think. Okay, if it's not a high level waste, it's not a high risk. It's always a high risk. Do you how do you think like Australia with the disastrous experience of the cleaning after the nuclear? bomb test in the 60s at Maralinga, Emu and Montebello Islands would have a clue of how to manage a nuclear underground dump when many more nuclear countries like France, the US, England, Germany had no idea.
3: No, I don't think that we are in a position really to to be suggesting these kind of things. I mean, at this point in time, the government can't even manage to convince a community that um, it's a good idea to house any kind of waste, let alone the most toxic waste produced in the world. So it's, I think it's going to be a, a tough battle, actually. I think there will be a lot of opposition once people actually understand the severity of what the government is asking or is will potentially be asking. Um, and I think also from reading the tentative findings, the the timeline seems a little bit short um, in comparison with the amount of experience that um, scientific experience that Australia has what's in this area. What's the area? timeline? Um, w- when
1: they want to build this this dam, this dam, this dump.
3: From what I can remember, it's sort of they would be accepting waste to store above ground for a certain amount of time before even digging the digging the the massive hole in the ground. So it's kind of like, yeah, I think it's sort of in twenty to thirty years. I could be a bit wrong on that, okay. um but for, for bringing it in, which I think is incredibly short'cause there's i've i know from my experience of reading about um storage facilities in the states that it's sort of a twenty year consultation yes. process yeah that's <laughs> pretty even huge. yeah, so I mean it just seems a bit yeah questionable, and there's you know there's the facility in Finland that is referred to constantly as like a point of reference within the tentative findings is still not complete so it's still not yeah <laughs> so done. yeah so I think yeah it's very very hopeful of the government to try and push this through and I think they will have a fight.
1: Annika are you here? Yeah. Oh perfect yeah we'll have you back. Um, what's, what's the risk of an underground nuclear facility? It's that like, can have you talked about like leaked and explosion and things. I am trying to get my head around because if they're going to dig a hole as the Aussie style, that lets you know <laughs> bring a couple dozer, dig a big hole and just dump the, the waste into and just cover it up. The same things they've done for the after the nuclear test bomb at Emu and Field and Maralinga. Um, I reckon like so much risk gonna happen around the community.
2: Yeah, well, that case would definitely not happen. Um, For the current low and intermediate level dump, we're talking most likely a um, quite low facility, maybe 50 metres in the ground, Um, so not like a deep borehole. Um, However, what Jamila has just been talking about, if we are considering international radioactive waste, then deep borehole is definitely the most advanced technology so far worldwide. And then um, obviously the problem is once you've stored waste so far down, if anything happens, how do you recover it or clean it up? This is what's currently happening in the US. Um, It's not just costly, but it's very risky to all the workers involved. Totally. Um, And also how do you communicate that there is this sort of extremely um, poisonous waste Stored somewhere underground, which you can't see from above the ground necessarily. How do you communicate it with future generations um, that we have produced this incomprehensible toxicity um, and it will last for thousands and thousands of years? Um, it's hard enough to communicate between generations, and we know that political systems are very unstable. How are we going to plan? Yeah. You know, for in two hundred thousand years of time.
1: Totally. And like some of the biggest nuclear nations worldwide, they haven't worked out that problem. And we think Australian government I think they will be able like, to just dig a hole, dump that in and just get rid of all the, the problems like that. Um we're running a little bit out of time and my big question is how could we support you guys?
3: Well um can support ACE by coming along to some of our um, events that we're holding next month. We're having an event series called Atomic April, um, which is a really good opportunity every Tuesday in April to come along and um, kind of get involved and hear about more about what we're doing and get up to date on this issue and some of the other issues that are happening in Australia um, in the nuclear industry and our resistance to that. Um, so that's every Tuesday in April and that's all available on um, the anti-nuclear site page within the Faux Melbourne website so yes. people can go there to find out more. But the first is um, uh, on the 5th of April and it's um, actually an ICANN event that we're helping with called Black Mist White Rain. So that's where I'm reflecting on bomb test survival um, from Maralinga and also from the Pacific. Um, and then after that we're going to be doing an event every Tuesday. So all the information of that will be on the website.
1: Cool. Yeah. Is Avon going to be at, uh, at the Black Mist? No? No. No, I uh, said <laughs> good old no, not uh, You also okay. got a Facebook page?
3: Yeah, we have an Ace Collective um, Facebook page um, where we kind of will share our um, stories and what we've been up to and what's going on within the broader movement. And we're also on Twitter at Nuclear Free Oz. Um, so you can follow us there
1: also you got a show it's called the radioactive show is here on 3cr listen to the show and you normally you got all the updates about all the new happening all around the world
2: thanks so much for having us yeah thank you so much